What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the common man's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Colin, here with my co-host, Noah, coming at you live Sunday night to give you both a a recap of the first round and a post-preview of the second round. I know we're getting this out a little late. We uh, already caught the first game of the Warriors Grizzlies series, which was an absolute banger, and the Bucks Celtics, which was less of a banger, but quite eye-opening in and of itself. Noah, first off, happy to have you. You were, happy you to were in town this Thank weekend. You. I was in town this weekend, Colin. I had the pleasure of seeing you two out of the three nights that I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Colin, I, it was a good weekend. You know, it's always a good weekend up in the w- windy city. Right. Um. But I do feel like I always leave a little bit a shell of myself. <laughs> I was gonna say we uh, we had talked about possibly doing a live live bench chatter, and you know we said sometime in the afternoon. And Noah texted me was like, "Ah, my lunch got pushed back." And then slowly but surely, I didn't see Noah until like seven p.m. Never make brunch plans, Con, on a night <laughs> where you plan on drinking a lot of alcohol. <laughs> It's just a terrible commitment to have to wake up to. No, I think the best brunch plans that I ever have are the ones when I wake up and I like am feeling up for it, and I text the other people in the group. Should we do brunch? You know, you're all just sitting there like terribly at the table, just all drinking black coffee, not a word being said. Those are the best brunches. Yeah, like the waitress has to come around four times to refill my water. Before she's even taken your order. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, can I get <laughs> one pancake? Just one pancake and all I'm gonna the water take in your establishment. Yeah, and then violently puke in your bathroom. Uh, see, that's the best way to do brunch. And you went to like a nice place too, didn't you? I did. I went to a place yeah. called Stray Hen Con, and it was mm. very good. Very um, good. A lot of lot of opinions on breakfast food con. I um. You know, a lot of the time where I go out to eat breakfast, Colin, I'm thinking, you know, man, I wish I just made breakfast food. You know what I mean? Like, it's breakfast food yeah. is so easy to make, and it's cheap. Some of it. Um, some of it. But when you get that good breakfast, Colin, like, I oh, think a good yeah. breakfast where you're paying anywhere from, like, I got an omelet, Colin. Yeah. Had goat cheese, avocado, mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. mushroom, spinach, Banger. added a little chorizo to it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, chorizo's and, huge. Paid 15 bucks for it. It was a unit of an omelet. Couldn't even finish, Colin. I felt great about my purchase, my investment of my money um, for, you know, a little $15 lunch breakfast. I also had a $22 breakfast, Colin. That was terrible. And I was like, man, you. I could have just made two eggs and a piece of toast, and I would have been just as happy. Yeah. No, breakfast, so I had a, I had a skillet, like a, a steak skillet this weekend. Holy crap. And fantastic fantastic but you know what i love about breakfast food is when they bring out like the toast and like an egg it feels like such a a much more rewarding side than just like french fries you know it's like almost like an extra little meal that you get to snack on while you're eating <laughs> your own meal it's uh, <laughs> well, it is what's the your best. preferred what's your preferred way of your eggs being cooked con uh, I'm an over-easy guy because I like to put my eggs on whatever I'm eating. So am I. So am I, Con. Yeah. I, you know, there's a reason we're co-hosts of a very successful basketball podcast, Con. The chemistry yeah. through the roofs. I love mm-hmm. just mash. Con, in terms of eating and, like, plate composition, I'm usually a, I like to keep things kind of separate guy. Mm-hmm. But when Ooh, it comes to no. breakfast food, Con... You gotta mash all that shit no, together. You gotta I'm dipping everything together. I'm dipping the toast in the yolk. Yeah, big Ooh. time. Oh, big time. Ooh. Yeah. I always. I'm a big sandwich guy, so I, I like to order toast, and then whenever I'm eating, I like to make myself like a little side sandwich and put it on Ooh. the toast and then eat it that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. That's always a banger. Um, we're getting really off the tangent here, but there's uh, this like Mediterranean place by my work that I really like. It's called Roti, and. It's basically like Mediterranean Chipotle, but you can get like a, a pita bread, and I felt so stupid. I recently realized that when they give you the pita bread, you're supposed to like rip it open like a pouch and like stuff your, your food in there, and I'd just been putting it on top and eating it like a burrito. Not how it's supposed to go, but yeah, I mean, 
everything is better when it's like in between something else. That's my rule mm-hmm. of thumb. Whether it be bread, <laughs> taco shell, a falafel, you know, the, the the list goes on. That is the peak of food. And this is breakfast chatter. This the is breakfast chatter. Breakfast podcast. The, you know, I, I hope you're listening to this on your uh, Monday morning commute. You know, you just uh, you're either on your way to a nice Monday morning breakfast, or you just had a nice Monday morning breakfast, and you know you'd really like to hear it get breaking down. You know, go get yourself a bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup mm, on the house. If if, if you're it's going to the- McDonald's, I, I will say that the chicken McGriddle it's always a good way to start a day. I, uh, going to the airport tomorrow now I'm flying and I, I will be getting a chicken McGriddle. Like it's just Oh, you're looking happen. forward to your chicken McGriddle already? Yeah. Yeah, maybe a yogurt parfait in there too. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All righty, Con. Um let's let's get into this breakdown. Yeah. Um which will also include a recap of, you know, how the first uh round went for some of these teams. Yeah. Uh, should we cover the two games that we've already seen, Con? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because, so I had a lot of conflicting opinions. Let's just start with the Celtics-Bucks. Yeah, I think um, this is the series we're going to talk about the most, just throughout yes. the next couple weeks. And I had a lot of conflicting opinions on this, Con, because as we know, Chris Middleton strained his MCL, probably going to mm-hmm. miss the entirety of this round. So the Bucks immediately without Chris Middleton. And that's a that's a game-changer, Con. And oh, absolutely. All of these thoughts I'm saying right now, Colin, were pre-game one thoughts that I had that we just mm-hmm. hadn't discussed yet, and a lot of people were a lot of people are very high on the Celtics team, Colin, for good reason. Um, they, they should dis- deserve it. They just dismantled deserve. the Nets, like and but I honestly thought that this series was always going to be close, even without Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thought of game planning against Giannis is much easier than actually game planning against Giannis when you're at, <laughs> yeah. like the thought of game planning against Giannis works. But when you actually get out there on the court, you're like, Oh, okay. Um, Giannis is a game record Colin. He is he a game record. Is. And the, the Boston, Boston opened up this series Colin, with a very similar tactic that they did against Kevin Durant. And that that's when, you know, they were blitzing at him very early um, they were sending double teams to Giannis, and it definitely mm-hmm. affected affected Giannis's rhythm at the beginning of the game. Call he had a oh, couple sure. like very bad turnovers, um, but then Giannis has really evolved, Con, and it was um, I mean it's been happening for the last two three years, but yeah. he has gotten so good, Con, at addressing the double team, being patient, and also being able to make the right pass to the open man. Um, something Giannis did not have when you know he first started this come up, and he was yeah. decimating the Celtics day. Con um, Giannis had twenty four, thirteen, and twelve, nine for twenty five from uh, the field, had two blocks, was plus twenty three um, for the day. Con um, yeah. this series is going to come down to how can the Celtics adjust to guarding Giannis on the fly, and also. Jalen Brown's got to step the fuck up, Con. No Chris Middleton. Yeah. Jalen Brown has to be the third best player in this series for the Celtics to win. He was not today. Drew Holiday was the third best player in the game. Um, had 25 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists while mainly guarding uh, Jalen Brown, who had a very poor night, Con. 12 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists on 4 for 13 shooting. Um, people are saying Marcus Smart's the best perimeter defender in the NBA, Con. Um, Mr. Drew, Drew Holiday had something yeah. to say about that. Today he was going. He Drew Holiday played an amazing game today, Con. Um, well, what were your thoughts from what you saw today? Because today was, I won't say eye opening because we the Bucks are the Bucks, Con. We knew they could do this, but yeah. it's certainly a little punch in the mouth to the Celtics game one to get they got bodied off the floor, Con. Yeah. So uh, let me take it this way, and and I have some thoughts that I expressed to you over the weekend that I wanted to talk about, and I kind of held back. Is it became evident that Jason Tatum was in a league ahead of Kevin Durant, or at least played like that? Giannis is not in the same stratosphere as Jason Tatum. You know, Jason Tatum has been playing like a top 10, top 5 player in the NBA 
Giannis has been top one, and he's been top one for a little bit now. You said it before, his ability to distribute the ball, that's why the Bucks are so good. They did, they set this team up like every single LeBron James team ever should have been set up. It's shooters, it's a big man who can pick and pop, he can bang down low, and he's got fantastic defense, and he's got, you know, with Chris Middleton on the floor, another guy who can create his own shot but doesn't have to. And when he's not there... He just dishes. He distributes. He finds the guys that can hit the open shots. He creates when he can. We saw how extravagant he is. We saw the Kobe Bryant, you know, homage shot where he throws it off the back of the board, alley-oops it to himself. I mean, it was fantastic. It was just, it was on another level. Boston, as much as they tried to game plan for him, they they did. They limited Giannis's scoring, you know? You're going to take Giannis scoring 24 a game. You're going to do that every 900 times out of 10. But if Giannis is going to find these other guys, you have to respect that. And Boston didn't have to deal with that with the Nets. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were the offense, you know? The other guys on the floor, you really didn't have to respect him. Seth Curry would go off a bit, but it just wasn't a dynamic offense like this. It it wasn't as fluid. That team didn't play like this team has. This team has essentially been the same team since last year. I mean, they added Grayson Allen, and that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think they lost Connaughton or DiVincenzo. They lost DiVincenzo, I mean, for Grayson Allen, who they're arguably the same player. And this is the team that won the championship last year. So, yeah, it it works. We know it works. We've seen it been working for over a year now. Uh, It's the recipe for what I believe to be the best team in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And I just have to say, Con, that the level of rim protection that Brooke Lopez showed today was uh, very, very impressive. Um, the Bucks are playing some of the best defense I think. <clears throat> I think I've seen this Bucks play team play ever. Um, <clears throat> the Bucks held the Chicago Bulls. Con, sorry. Um, I was going to go there to to ninety six and a half points per one hundred possessions in the first round. That is eight eighteen point two fewer than the Bulls scored in the regular season in the twenty six years of which the data has been keep been kept for this. Um, Stat, that was the biggest drop-off in offensive efficiency from the regular season to the first round of the playoffs ever. Yeah. Um, you know, that can, that's, that's a little bit of a testament of the, um, the Bulls, but it's also a gigantic testament to the Bucks so and let just me, how locked in defensively yeah. they are currently. Let me interrupt really quick. So in Game 5, closeout game of the series, the Bulls set the franchise record for three-pointers attempted because we couldn't get in the paint. We just I, – I don't have the stats in front of me. I don't know what it is. But we were not shooting in the paint. They were out-rebounding us. They were getting all the easy shots. And we were so one and done. And our, the Bulls just weren't set up as a three-point shooting team. I mean, that's just not us, especially with uh, Lonzo out. But we couldn't get anything down low. I mean, Zach Levine on, you know, kind of a bum knee was trying to get down there. DeRozan had the one nice game, too, where he was able to do it. But then as soon as they put Drew Holiday on him, like... Tato trying to get through Holiday and then having to go through the trees of Lopez and Giannis, it's such a difficult task. I mean, I don't care how athletic you are. Those guys are just as athletic. Those guys are just as good at what they do. And there's three of them as you are. So it's just, it's going to be a series. You're absolutely right with Jalen Brown. I mean, he has to be there to knock down those outside shots. Those role players are a must because they can eliminate your number one option so quickly. Yeah, the Bucks are actually 10-1 and one so far on regular season and playoffs combined when teams shoot 48 or more three-point attempts in a game on them, which is what their defense, that's what they want you to do, Con. They want you to take threes because they know once you get, in with, once you get within that three-point arc, Con, you're doing nothing against that Bucks team, really. Um <clears throat> Celtics today, 18 of 50 from three-point land, Colin. Mm-hmm. 10 of 34 from two-point land. Yeah, that'll do it. That's not how you win a game. Um, the Celtics, if they want to 
win these games, Colin. These are gonna this is gonna be a gritty series. The Celtics only put up eighty nine points today, Colin. The Bucks only put up one hundred one. Um, well below both of these teams' season averages that we saw in the regular season. Um, Celtics cannot fall in love with the three con because even though they've been hitting it, that's what the Bucks want them to do. They've got to put pressure on the rim. You have to get Brooke Lopez in foul trouble. You have to get Giannis in foul trouble. And then on the other end, you just got to let anyone but Giannis beat you. Like you, you honestly take the score line you had today, con of what twenty four thirteen and nine. Um, you you take that in a playoff game against Giannis because if he's scoring twenty four, that means someone else on the Bucks beat you, mm-hmm. and you take that. Um, mm-hmm. I expect the Celtics to be better than what we saw in this game one, Con. But I do too. Giannis is just playing at an unreal level right now. I um, what 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 what's your prediction, Con? So before this game, I really thought you know I, I think I was uh, mystified by the way the Celtics just absolutely smacked the nets i mean it was they they really they put a number on like the kd Kyrie legacy it was that bad i was seeing that on twitter so i was gonna take the celtics um i i think that this series it it's not gonna be as lopsided as this i mean the celtics defense is good they held this bucks team to 101 points you're gonna win a lot of games doing that you just need to score, and I think that the scoring is going to be there. I don't think that your entire starting five shoots under thirty-three percent. Two two games in a row, I think you can bounce back from that. So I, I think it's going to be a hard one. I I'm going to go Bucks in seven now, which is skewed because I probably would have said Celtics in seven had I not watched what happened today. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I think Bobby P is um some a guy we haven't talked about yet. Con that is also yeah. going to have a big influence on this series, um especially with Chris Middleton out. Bobby Portis playing the four, which moves slots Giannis down. You know, three four. Him and Bobby Portis are pretty interchangeable. Um, it, it makes this Bucks team quite scary. Con, I I think if Bobby Portis mm-hmm. can average like double uh low end double double, like I'm talking ten and ten in this series, I honestly think Milwaukee which wins is huge because I still. Think that's yeah. I think that's just kind of the little contributions that Giannis needs on a night-to-night basis. Out of you know Bobby getting rebounds, getting offensive rebounds, scoring second-chance buckets, and Grayson Allen hitting threes. I honestly think that's like all that Giannis needs at this point, Colin, with how well he's playing. Um, <clears throat> if you would have asked me before this series, Colin, who was going to win, I would have told you Celtics in seven. Um, even without Chris Middleton, I think Bucks take this to seven. Yeah, and I'm sticking with Celtics in seven. Honestly, I I think the Celtics are still playing as the best team so far in the playoffs. Um, wow! And I think they inevitably will. I think they inevitably will prevail. I I think they will. I think the Chris Middleton injury will come to hurt this Bucks at the end of it. I I yeah. It's this is a very big. This is a very big jumping point for this Celtics team, Con. If they can't do this, can they really ever do it? Um, like, it seems like this year is, like, a very special... It seems like this year is a very special, like, vibe that the Celtics team has. Yeah. Um, I, I strongly dislike those ideas because Jason Tatum's 24 years old. Like, I know he's playing fantastic but you never know when you're in your window to win con i will tell you that well until you win it right right exactly many teams have thought that they had a window and that it was the suns probably thought they had two more two three more years out of this window with the team they currently have yeah and honestly think this year might be their window Uh, this year is their window yeah no so it, it does slide shut way faster than I think you ever anticipate or realize it's going to. Probably as a fan, I think maybe GMs are a little more in tune with that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it. Uh, I, I wouldn't go that far. That This team's still pretty young. I like what they're doing down in Boston. They've got a lot of young talent. I think they're going to be a force for a couple years here. I don't think that this is like a, they need to win it, otherwise it's gone type year. Um no, before we move on, I I need to to present the idea now 
that I gave to you earlier. Do you, do you remember what I said yesterday? Uh, yeah. I was thinking about it in the car, right? Did I? Alright, do you want to do that now or we can do it at the end? Let's just do it right now. Alright. So, I, I think it's it's very important with this Boston Bucks series. So, my thesis, Noah, and to the listeners out there, is without a prevailing super team in the NBA this year, and I, I think it's... It, last year, I don't think there was one. You could argue 2020 there wasn't, but 2020 was just such a weird year. I'm throwing that out entirely. My argument is this. Defense is at the biggest premium it's been at in a very long time because you don't have these teams that are so absurdly talented and so absurdly supernaturally built that they can shatter anything that you throw at them. So we have offenses that have role players on them at multiple spots. You need to go deep into the bench at times. And for that reason, defense is more important this year than offense. And I think this is my case right here, Noah. Of the eight teams left in the playoffs, we have the top six regular season teams in defensive efficiency still in the playoffs. The other two are Philadelphia and Milwaukee. And Milwaukee has since turned it around with the return of Brooke Lopez and I think just trying a little bit harder. And in the playoffs, have the best defense thus far. Defense this year is going to win the championship. And right now the Bucks have the best defense, so I am going to take them to win the championship. Your rebuttal. Um... I mean, so I I agree that defense is at a premium, but I don't think it's because of lack of a superstar or a super team um, mm-hmm. this, you know, the past two, three seasons. I think it's just, I think that's kind of just been the evolution of, I think it's just kind of the evolution of the NBA calling its ever-changing landscape. I, I'm trying to formulate everything I want to say. So I yeah, think... Yeah. I think that as the as the NBA the NBA really changed somewhere, Colin, in like the early twenty tens. Um and you know, was it twenty fourteen? That's me speaking as like a fourteen year old, but I was still yeah. watching basketball. But mm-hmm. like something's flipped to where offense took over, Colin, and it was the beginning of you know, the Golden mm-hmm. State Warriors. Curry really helped with just the entire three point revolution and defense was honestly lost for a little. It was, you know, how can we out, how can we keep up scoring with the Warriors was really like a lot of teams' main questions. Yeah. And I think just as the NBA's got more talented, as t- every teams get more talented, like the floor of the average NBA player con has raised so much since, say, mid-2000s, early 2010s. I think the floor of like your worst bench guy has honestly raised like dramatically. Oh, yeah. I think you have to be... You have to be so good to be in the NBA con, and with that comes the need for defense because you see the emergence of these superstar forwards, these superstar guards. I think mm-hmm. to have a winning championship team con, you have to have a you have to have an elite defender on your team. You have to have at least mm-hmm. one, if not multiple. Thank and you, I think that has come along with superstars care more about def- like superstars know that defense just matters in the playoffs much more than the regular season. Um, I agree with your point, but I don't think it's because of the lack of the super team. I think it's just the natural evolution of the NBA to where the defense is coming back around because of how many fantastic offensive players we have. Okay. But throw the 2017 Warriors into this season, we don't give a shit about defense. You would have to keep up with them. You would design a team that, but at the but at the root of that twenty seventeen Warriors team, con is a fantastic defense. I mean, it was a fantastic defense, but they didn't need it. 
Well, I don't know if that's true. Well, no, I'm not saying they could have been, like, the 30th ranked defense, but they could have been middle of the pack and still won. That 2017 Warriors team? I mean, come on. There's I mean, no I'm not giving you. Game. I'm not giving you the point that it's because of the lack of a super team. Honestly, like I'm not. I, I'm not I understand your point about like the evolution, and I I think that's very important. But like, do you, do you at least concede that with a a super team, superstar studded team, it doesn't become irrelevant, but it becomes less important to have a fantastic defense. Because you would still have to keep up scoring with them. I mean, yes, but I feel like most NBA championship winners we've seen, Colin, historically just have top 10 defenses and offenses. Yeah, I mean, that is true. So It just goes hand in hand. Oh, sometimes. I would say this. I think we've seen more... Okay, that actually doesn't help my point. I won't say it, but... Yeah, go ahead and say it. I, I bet if you were to look, there would be more teams with a top 10 defense and no top 10 offense win a championship than top 10 offense, no top 10 defense. Yeah, again, I doesn't agree help. with that. <laughs> I, I guess maybe you're, maybe you're right. Maybe it's not the, the super team point but it does feel as though I mean it, it doesn't feel it is true that this year it is a defense is going to win the championship and deal. you see con that the defense is defense is tied to like these like you said earlier the defense is tied to like these super good teams because these super good teams have the superstars, the guys who are like the outliers of the NBA, and when the playoffs come around, those guys try on defense so much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do let's do Grizzlies Warriors. <laughs> um. So we saw this game today. Con um, ended up one seventeen. 117-116 Warriors over the Grizzlies. Um, Draymond Green gets ejected in this game, Con for a flagrant two foul. That was not much of a flagrant two foul, if we're being very honest. It uh, it seemed more like a, a common foul at best, and maybe not even a foul on Draymond at all, from uh, my perspective. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, it was definitely a foul. Did. Um, the refs have honestly been ass this off this postseason. Con, let's just be honest; they're blowing the whistle way too much. Um, it's it kills the flow of these games, and to just to have the to make that big of a call, Con, in like mm-hmm. a straight game one of this series just feels like kind of ridiculous. Um, there, there, that was not a flagrant two; it was a flagrant one. There was no like, there's no like agreed like Trayvon had no like ill terms or ill like uh like I can't think of words right now um he had no he wasn't trying to hurt Brandon Clark or anything he shouldn't have got ejected but this was an interesting game con the Warriors for much of this game were looking like the worst team the Grizzlies looked like the better team the Grizzlies got two gigantic games con out of John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, John Morant with 34, 9, and 10 on 14 of 31 shooting. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. with 33 points, 10 rebounds, 1 assist, 10 from 18 from the field. Um, This was an interesting game because I thought the Grizzlies played very, very, very well for just right about um, 46 minutes of this game, honestly. Um and like I said for them last series, Con, when we were talking about the midway, halfway through the first mm-hmm. round update, it, this Grizzlies team is on the doorstep, Con. But they're not just there. They're just not there yet. Um, and like I said, they're building this organically, Con, so it's okay. Like, the, there's yeah, no pressure for the Grizzlies to, you know, 
if they were if their team constructed like the Nets, who made this team out of trades and free agency, they're mm-hmm. who didn't make this organically. There's a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. I don't think the Grizzlies are feeling any pressure, Colin. I think today was more of just like a, the Warriors just have that like championship resilience, yeah. Colin. Like the Warriors, throughout the course of the game, Colin, they're just so used to winning that they're like, this is fine. Guys, we're just going to win at the end of the game. Like we're the Warriors. That's really what it felt like, Colin. Like they just have – you. their mental cannot be broken. No, it – it really did. Like, when it was down at the end of the game, even when probably when there were six minutes left, because the, the Warriors went up 10 early in the fourth quarter, and then the Grizzlies started to claw back. And in the back of my head, I was like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, they're up. Like, it's it's over. And the Grizzlies even, they went up. I think it was 112 to 110 was the lead they had. I don't think they were ever up by more than two. But in the back of my head, I'm like, Steph's going to hit a three. Poole's going to hit a three. Clay's going to hit a three. They just It felt the whole time like the Warriors were going to win. It didn't feel like Memphis had it in the tank as well as Ja was playing down the stretch because there was that stretch, dude, where he had he, – he scored or assisted on like 12, of, 12 straight, and he had a fantastic layup – went down the floor, stole the ball, and then lobbed it up for Brandon Clark down low. I mean, there was a moment there where I was like, holy shit, is is John Morant the best player on the floor? And as good as Steph was, I, I'm starting to think the answer is is getting closer to being yes than people would maybe have to believe. Mm, yeah, maybe. Tough. We should, I should mention, Colin, that the Grizzlies did not have Steven Adams for this game. Um, Xavier Tillman started at center for the Grizzlies. Steven Adams is in health and safety protocols right now. Um, he entered it three days ago, um, so should be back in time for it at the latest, Game 3. Um, he's questionable for Game 2. Um, Steven Adams will certainly help. I think it was interesting, Colin, that John Moran only attempted three free throws this game. Um, and for a guy who's taking the majority of his shots, you know, at or mm-hmm. near the rim, um, he's got to abuse that. He's got to abuse the Warriors for that because he has to get to the rim for this series, Con. This is going to be a very, very fast-paced series. Um, at a certain point, I think it does come down to Steph versus Ja and who is going to play the best in this series. Um, but once you look past that, I think the Warriors are just built. Better team. Yes, I, I think they I think they are just a better team. Um, Poole absolutely went off today, Colin. 31, yeah. 8, and 9 out of the boy. 12 for 25 for 10 from 3. Um, if he can keep building off this early playoff success that he's having, Colin, like, what do you do when the Warriors have three 25 legitimate points per game scores? Uh, you, you lose. That's pretty much what you do. No real other also, way around it. Also, the Grizzlies are going to play this con. They're going to match this Warriors small lineup uh, where we see a lot of Jaron Jackson at the five, mm-hmm. and we also see a lot of Draymond at the five. And that is not great for the Grizzlies because that essentially gives Draymond the green light to do basically whatever he wants out there. And I think that's like, I think the Grizzlies need to stick towards trying to get any advantage out of Steven Adams that you can playing big against yeah. this Warriors team. I know it's hard to, Con, because inevitably the Warriors will force you to go small just to match, you know, pace and matchups. Um, but if the Grizzlies accept a playing small in this lineup, Con, I, I don't really see a great way that they're going to win. No. You you want to see as much Kevon Looney as you possibly can. That's uh game plan for the Grizzlies. Because you're right, like you you can't out small ball the Warriors, especially no. this lineup. <laughs> no. Especially this lineup, it, they're too good defensively. They're too lethal offensively. It's just, it's not going to work in a seven game series. You might have one or two games where you can get Ja to post a crazy enough stat line to be able to overcome it, but. There's uh, there's just no way. I just I I think this is a hell of a fun series. I see Warriors taking it in like five or six, and I'd lean towards five. 
<clears throat> it was funny, Con. Out of the, like, I think 244 minutes or something like that in the Grizzlies-Timberwolves series, mm-hmm. the Timberwolves actually led that series for 168 minutes out of the 244 minutes total oh, played. And 40 of those minutes that they didn't get, 40 of those minutes that the Grizzlies had gone came in the game two blow where they blew the Timberwolves out. Wow. That's impressive. Um, just to speak a little bit more about what the Warriors did to the Nuggets in the first round, um, the Warriors had an effective field goal percentage of 60.8% in that first round series, Colin. Um, the fourth highest mark in a best of seven series in the NBA history. Um, the Warriors ranked 16th offensively con offensive efficiency in the regular season um, through the playoffs. They're the number one offense in the first round. Yeah, they're scoring 122 points per 100 possessions. Um, they're wait, second. Wait, read in that two again. Point... 122 points per 100 possessions. 121.9 points oh per God. 100 possessions over their first five games against Denver. That's stupid. They're That's second insane. in two-point percentage con at 58.6%, and they're mm-hmm. first in three-point percentage, 42.2%. It makes a wee bit of sense. Wow. The Warriors are just a better team here, Con. Yeah, be they, they really are. I mean, I... It's kudos to John Morant, kudos to the Grizzlies for hanging really tough in this one because it uh it was closer than I, I think I expected it to be and who knows, maybe they make a run at it this series and it can go longer than I'm expecting. I just I how many games in this series are we gonna get Jaron Jackson Junior to have thirty three points? You know? Draymond's not getting ejected every single game. I think he really started to eat up once that happened. But I guess, you know, the uh, the flip side is Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks combined for 6 of 23 from the field. 3 of 13 from 3. In a game that was lost by one point, you know. You can, uh, you can point there as well. But mm-hmm. even so, it's not like the Warriors shot the ball well themselves they had some poorer nights honestly from Wiggins and Clay mm-hmm. yeah Draymond no, also overall, played 17 did. minutes yeah no overall they, they still did pretty well yeah in the grand scheme of the whole series Colin the Grizzlies are really going to kill themselves for losing this game where Draymond only plays 17 minutes yeah um I honestly think this series has the potential to go the distance Colin I I the Warriors are the better team, but it speaks more so to the level that the Grizzlies are playing at and how they only lost by one point. And I know they got two big games from John Jaron Jackson, but like you said, the role players for the Grizzlies played pretty poorly today. Um, I think Brandon Clark needs to play more. Um, that guy has been amazing so far through the playoffs. And yeah, I honestly think this series might go seven, Con. Um, I was going to predict Warriors in seven before game one today. Uh, but now I'm probably going to say Warriors in six. Fairly enough. Fairly enough. I like it. I like it. Alrighty, let's move to the two other series uh, that we will catch wind of tomorrow. Let's start with the Heat Sixers, and we're opening with the news that Joel Embiid will not be available for game one. Mm-hmm. Killer. Jimmy Jimmy Butler, who did it, actually, he missed game five, is expected to return tomorrow. Tyler Hero is expected to return, and Kyle Lowry will be out of the opening mm-hmm. game tomorrow. Uh, all are expected to be back for game two. I don't think it matters. This is a very interesting series. Um,. On paper, these are. On paper, I think the Heat are the better team, but I think this is a very close series. Um, 
Embiid's dealing with an orbital fracture and a mild concussion right now, along with his thumb injury, Colin. Like, this guy is getting beat the fuck up. And if there is a team, if there's a team that is going to take advantage of that con, you know, maybe hit his thumb on a downswing, it's going to be the Heat con. Um, The Heat had. They're here for a reason, Con. They secured the best record in the East. They're the number one seed. They brushed the Hawks aside, uh, even with Kyle Lowry missing two games and Jimmy Butler missing one of those. Um, Miami's defense was especially good in that series. And um, how good is James Harden going to play in this series, Con? Because that's a lot of how far the Sixers can make this series go, is how good James Harden can be. Because... With the Sixers team, Con, who have built around Joel Embiid as a centerpiece, it's a little too late to establish a new identity on the fly. Do you agree? Yeah, um, I, I do. And I was talking to my my buddy, our buddy, who's a big Sixers fan about this, and you know, we do you think that Harden in going to the Nets and now the Seventy Sixers? has taken the passive distributor distribution distributor distributor that's the word I'm looking for distributor role because that's what he thinks needs to happen to win or because he doesn't have the ability to score like that anymore I mean we're two years removed from like a 28 point per game season three years removed from like the 30 point kind of stuff that he was putting up when uh, he was winning MVPs and shit like that. I If there's an offense that could figure out a James Harden style, it is the 76ers. I mean, the, the James Harden style is just so ball dominant. It's just him doing shit that it, you could make it work. I mean, it's it, it takes less from the other players in terms of developing that identity. And if you don't have Embiid, I don't see how you're going to have James put up 22 and 12 assists and win the game. Like you need him to take over. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> going back to your first point, Con, um, the, six, the Sixers team actually is really good when James Harden is the main uh, distributor. Like, that mm-hmm. is a recipe on how they can win a lot of games is James Harden being this distributor. Um, but with that being said, a lot of basketball for me, Con, is, you know, you can look at stats, you can look at advanced analytics, but at the end mm-hmm. of the day, a lot of basketball is just straight eye test. And to me, James Harden isn't that guy anymore, Con, that we you know saw in Houston average 34 points in a season. Mm-hmm. Um, James Harden is still a fantastic player, but I... He, you know, I've just kind of been waiting for him, Colin, to hit that next gear that we've seen him, that we've been used to seeing him hit, and he has not hit that yet. And I think that this is another huge series for Bam Adebayo. Um, yeah. I think Bam Adebayo can and probably should swing the series um, very much in Miami's favor, Colin, especially with Embiid out. Um, with Embiid out, Adebayo doesn't need to worry about collecting fouls. You know, the, the Heat have no one to double with Embiid not out there, and that lets Bam save some of his energy for the offensive end of the floor. And I think Bam Adebayo is going to be the best player in this series, Con. And it's honestly just a shame Joel isn't going to be fully healthy for this series because if so, Joel mm-hmm. Embiid's the best player in this series, Con, I think by a good little bit. Um Another pretty crucial uh, stat that kind of relates to how well the Heat do is Jimmy Butler averaged in the first round, Colin averaged 12.5 points in the restricted area in the first round. Uh, second most in the playoffs so far. Giannis is first with 15.6. Um, Butler only averaged 7.2 points in the restricted zone in the regular season, Con. Um, and Jimmy Butler's game relies on getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line because he's a pretty ass three-point shooter. Um, yeah. And honestly, he's not great at the mid-range shot either, Con First round, he was 7 for 16 from three. Pretty good. Uh, very 5 good. for 18 for mid-range. 28%. Uh, 
In the regular season, he had the third worst effective field goal percentage, 36.9% on shots from outside the paint among 217 players gone with at least 200 field goals attempted from outside the restricted zone. Um, Jimmy what, Butler... So, are you just going to use this segment to say that you're going to pick the Heat but that you fucking hate Jimmy Butler? Is that what, is that what's happening right now? I mean, I'm not putting words in my mouth. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just laying out some facts for you, Con. You're always uh, you, you. Okay. <laughs> All right, pal. All right, keep Jimmy Butler, the facts. Con. Jimmy Butler averaged just five point three restricted area points in three games against the Sixers this season. He shot twenty three percent from outside the restricted area in those three games, uh, but he got twenty nine free throw attempts in those three games. Uh, that's going to be huge. Jimmy Butler has to put pressure on the rim especially with Embiid out. Um, even with Embiid in, Jimmy Butler has to pressure the rim. He has to put, um, he has to try and get Joel Embiid in foul trouble. But without Embiid, Colin, this series is immensely less fun. And I think the Heat's depth kind of just plays a major role into this series, Colin. I think the Sixers could get away with their lack of depth against a lot of teams. Uh, but Miami just has too much depth, Colin, that they can just withstand someone being cold for an entire series. Like, Max Struess yeah. will step up if Duncan Robinson's playing bad. If Max Struess is playing rad, oh, Tyler Hero's there. If Tyler Hero's playing bad, you know, they have guys to step up. Um, I'm taking Miami in, like, six, honestly. I think the Sixers will get two, but I think the Heat are just the better team at the moment. I I agree. I just, I don't think it's that close. I think that the 76ers... When they traded away Drummond and Seth Curry, I, I think they lost a, some two really key pieces that would be, in my opinion, huge in a series like this. You know, having another backup center to be able to compete with Bam down there, having another outside shooter. I mean, you can never have too much outside shooting. I think it's just those little intangibles, whereas Miami has all of that in droves. They're full of talent at every single position. It's just... I just see Miami suffocating them, you know? And especially when we're talking about Joel Embiid, he was already playing through an injury, and now he's got another one. I mean, this dude is just fucking taking shots left and right. And when you're injured, you're just even more injury-prone. I just, for how physical of a game he plays, I Mm -hmm. don't see him being able to be Joel Embiid. And Mm -hmm. if he can't be Joel Embiid, you know, the 76ers are only going to go as far as he can take him. Especially because this guy's averaging, like, 40 minutes played immediately when he comes back on. Yeah. Should we talk about how stupid Doc Rivers is? I, I don't even think we have to, Colin. I think everyone knows. Like, I, do, I think everyone knows. I still, it never made sense to me when they made this hire. I was just like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, you're going to Doc Rivers? Like, that's, the, it's just. The hire makes sense, Colin, because at the, at the, like, base level of it, your Doc Rivers is pretty decent at managing stars like managing yes. you know personality personality aspect which is yes. which is you know why they brought him in because you know he was very good at gelling that Celtics team together very good at gelling and like building a locker room you know building the morale within the team Doc Rivers is right. very good at that Colin and at the time when they hired him the Sixers had a lot of personalities that needed mm-hmm. you know meshing together but in terms of actual like basketball dude's pretty mid he's less than mid mid would be a compliment for doc rivers yeah it's just it's it's really upsetting i mean that 2008 celtics team i am a huge fan of like i credit that was like the first season of basketball that i really paid attention to from start to finish love that team kevin garnett is an all-time favorite player how could he not be i mean he's just oh how could you not love kg and it's uh, it's very lucky that Doc Rivers was able to be a part of that monumental team because if he wasn't, I uh, I don't know that he would have had so many jobs as he's had.
we'll leave it at that. We've got one more series to cover. I've got three flights to catch this week, Noah. So why don't we, you know, take this one a little bit quicker, um, mostly because I, I, I think that this is the least competitive matchup of these mm. games. Mm. Do you agree with that? Actually, well, at this point, without Embiid, I think it's Miami-Philly, but fully healthy. I stand by that one. I actually, I think this, I'll just get into it. I think this series is, I think these games are going to be close, Colin. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the series will reflect that. You know what I mean? Um, I do. Because these are two teams that perform very well in clutch time, Con. Uh, clutch time refers to games in which the score is within five points in the last five minutes. Um, and the Mavs and the Suns are two of the league's very best teams in that department, um, even in this postseason so far. Uh, Phoenix is 2-1 and one in clutch time, and the Mavs are 3-2 and two in clutch time so far. Um, the Suns finished the regular season with the league's best mark 33-9 and nine in clutch time games, Con. Uh, while Dallas won 58% of its time games that came down to clutch time. Um, both teams have very, very steady guard play um, from Luka Doncic, from Chris yeah. Paul, from Jalen Brunson, Devin Booker. Um, the thing here for me, Con, is that the Mavs ranked dead last in pace in the regular season. Um, they averaged 95 possessions per 48 minutes and their series against the jazz con was the slowest paced series of the first round um luka Doncic is leading the postseason in time of possession dallas really likes to play slow and control the ball con fewer possessions you know can help shrink the gap between a very very good team and like an elite team um that's mm-hmm. what dallas is going to want to do because you want to limit that sun's um offense which is very good to as little as minimum possessions as I can, but with fewer possessions, con these games are going to be closer. It comes down to clutch time. I'll take the Suns in clutch time. I do too. I uh, as good as Jalen Brunson has been, you know, I, uh, I I think he's a fantastic player. From uh, it, it was really, Noah, we've known that Jalen Brunson has been good for a while. He really, really shined in a singular playoff series against a team with terrible defensive guards. Mm-hmm. Some, some really, really just not great defense at the perimeter. You, you cannot say the same about the Suns team. And I, mm. I think we're going to see him step down quite quite a bit. I don't mm. want it to happen, but that's that's kind of my prediction. I think you throw McCall on Brunson. And oh, I, thank you for saying that. I, I was welcome. talking to a friend, and, you know, off the, off the surface level, you know, McCall Bridges on Luka makes too much sense gone. Because McCall Bridges is one of the best defenders in the league. Mm-hmm. Luka Doncic one of the best offensive players in the league. Why wouldn't you put this guy on him? Um, but the Suns will exploit that, Colin. And putting a guy yeah. like McCall Bridges on the Suns' best secondary option in Jalen Brunson um, almost limits their offense more, Colin. I think so, too. Um, and- we also got to mention DeAndre Aiden is going to be a gigantic factor yeah. in this, Colin. Uh, like, the Mavs were able to... For the second year in a row, Con, the Jazz get outplayed by a five-out lineup where Rudy yeah. Gobert is rendered almost useless. Um, jazz are blowing it up, Con. You and I have been calling that for yeah. almost most of this season. It's not a surprise. Quinn Snyder's out of there. Rudy Gobert's probably going to – the Jazz are going to try to trade him Which over I summer. still don't understand the why, why Quinn Snyder has to leave because he's a very good coach, but that's beyond It's me. just like – you know, when you look at the checklist, con of, like, yeah, you, you the to-do do list, it. it's, like, yeah, fire Quinn Snyder, it's at the top of the list. You know, like, that's just the immediate, like, yeah. easiest change that the Jazz can do, even even though everyone knows that Quinn Snyder is a fantastic coach and will get picked up immediately. Yeah. Um, the Mavs aren't going to be able to 
uh, abuse DeAndre Ayton as much. I also think the battle of the bigs here is just too much. Like the the Mavs front court depth is terrible, and the Suns really the only place they were lacking in their playoff run last season, Colin, was their lack of front court depth, and they really bolstered that with Javale McGee and Bismack Biombo. Um, I'm taking Suns in seven, honestly, Con. I think this is going the distance. I, I think people are wow. underestimating how well the... I think people are underestimating how well the Mavs are playing. Um, I, maybe I am. But... Maybe I am. I just... Uh, I guess I did just watch the Suns team go to six with the Pelicans. How can I say that? I, I'm going to say, Con, that this is going to be an all-time series in terms of... McCall Bridges guarding Luka Doncic, who honestly, McCall Bridges spent the majority of his minutes guarding Brandon Ingram, and Brandon Ingram kind of went off in that series. Um, It honestly didn't even matter who was guarding that guy, and I think think Luka Doncic can also abuse that, um, which is why I think I agree, Colin. They will put McCall Mm -hmm. Bridges on Jalen Brunson for a good amount of this time, and Dorian Finney-Smith, Colin, one of the, DFS, baby. you know, a fantastic cat league player. Um, he held Donovan Mitchell to just 37% from floor con um, in that entire first round series. He's going to spend the majority of his time on a not fully healthy Devin Booker. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to make that clear. This is going to be a close series con. It's going to come down to clutch time and inevitably the Suns are the better clutch time team. But I think this is going seven. Oof. I like it. I want it to go seven. I mean, I am a Mavs fan here. You know, I'm rooting for the Mavericks. You know, we we talked all season long, you know, why didn't the Mavericks do anything this uh, this last offseason? You know, you didn't get Damari. You didn't get these guys. I mean, they believed in the roster they built. You know, you, you flip Chris Tops for Dinwiddie, and it's just working. And you're Jason watching... Kidd is yeah. done – a phenomenal job with this Mavericks team. Yeah, I think we knew that Jason Kidd's coaching tenure was was not done after the stint in Milwaukee. I think that, you know, a burgeoning Giannis Antetokounmpo is just a, a very tough place to be because we we didn't know what he was going to do. There wasn't really a, a team like that, and you really had to wait for him to develop into what he is now. And, you know, obviously mm-hmm. the Bucks are reaping the benefits of that. But, yes. This Mavericks team, they're fantastic defensively with guys that I don't think individually you would look at as top defenders in the league. You know, mm-hmm. you, they don't stand out, but as a team, they they play some very solid team defense. All of their efficiency numbers are right up there with the other teams in the playoffs, you know, teams that we really coin as is being defensive-minded teams. And I don't know about you, I just I don't think of the Mavericks in that ilk, but they are, you know? Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. right there. So it's <clears> impressive, <throat> and, you know, if Luka can do his thing, it can happen. I just am too... It's too ingrained into me how well-oiled of a machine the Phoenix Suns are. And I I can't break mm-hmm. that out of my head right now, so I I'm gonna go Suns and six, which is mm. which is a stupid take, but it's Suns and six. Mm-hmm. I just hate when people um, say it's six. You know, go five or seven. <laughs> you know, be bold with it. But this is six. Um, yeah, I I am honestly looking forward to this series a lot, Con. Um. Just a quick question before we get you out of here, Con. I know you got some flights to catch here, yeah. you know, Mr. Worldwide. Um, what up with the pit bull? What would your prediction for a Suns-Grizzlies series be? Ooh, interesting. Um, the Grizzlies actually played the Suns really well in the regular season. I know. <laughs> really well. Um, I, I would go Suns in seven there. Okay. I just had to ask because uh, I was, I'd probably be in the same way, but I would very much like to see a Suns Grizzlies in the second round. Um, I think that the the Grizzlies match up better with the Suns than they do the Warriors. I think the Warriors are going to come out of the the West right now. 
I mean, that's this cold. honestly inevitable. This cold. But what, yeah, the way they're playing, like, yeah, yeah, Ugh. boom, boom. There you go. All right, little yeah. second round preview for you boys. Um, you know, Colin and I will hopefully be back soon after Mr. Worldwide gets back from you know helping the world, saving the world. Yeah. Um, don't know what it'll be with yet. We're still just waiting for MVP to get announced, really, so yeah. we can do this award show. Um, it's, it's official, but yeah, I, I guess we, we could. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll MVP get still hasn't got announced. So, oh, it's not, yeah, it's not officially announced. No one's received right. the award, but it's gonna be Jokic. Yeah, but we also kind of have to just wait. Because <laughs> yeah, that'd be embarrassing if Embiid wins it. I, I saw the ballot, right? I thought I saw the ballot somewhere. There was definitely like a early, like early oh. polling. You know what I mean? Oh, right. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like it's so stupid. Because like all these journalists and writers vote, and then there's no nothing saying like you can't say who you voted for, and so then you yeah. can kind of like get. So that's how they know Jokic won. Yeah. 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 Um. But yeah, there you guys go. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bench Chatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Bench underscore Chatter. Leave us a like. Leave us a rating. And we'll see you next Sunday. Peace. See you.